Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Friday, October 6th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people and using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it'll take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? That chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. It's a tool I've been using to great effect for 19 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships, and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the... ...the drag-on-cling-on game. That's a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we'd be uh, highly appreciative if you give us a call at 563-999-3581. Once you call that number, if you press 1 on your phone, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. If you're listening through the archive and you'd like to submit a comment or a question or get some feedback, you can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. 
second, or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And we're very, very grateful to anybody who chooses to do any of that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service. And that's just a whole boatload easier to do when we know how this is landing for you. So again, the call-in number is 563-999-3581. And if you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. It's a Friday. We had our support group last night. We had four people in the group. We had just a lot of discussion about the same kind of things that have been presented on the Internet show in the past week and a half or so. And um, very good clarification. Some people sharing work they've done that uh, has resulted in very beneficial shifts in their life and um, we're always grateful when people share those success stories and we're also uh, grateful when people call and say hey you know what I'm stuck and it's not working for me because it gives us an opportunity to Teach the work, which is the best way to learn the work and improve our understanding and improve our results when we apply these tools in our own lives. And um, so uh, gratitude to everyone who's doing that, whether you're in a support group of your own or you're attending another support group and or you're listening on this Internet show and doing your own work, whether you're sharing it with us or not. It's been a while since I've um, been back to reading from the, the book by Diedrich Wolzak titled Choose Again. And... Um, believe that perhaps the last time we did that, it was Monday and the entire six-step process was contained in that one hour-long show's reading. I'm trying to verify that with my Kindle here, and there's a little technical difficulty with the Kindle, so... But that's my memory, if memory serves me correctly. Yep, chapter 4, which has the six-step process, and we read the whole chapter. And then at the end of the chapter, the summary gives what he calls a mnemonic shorthand. And for the six steps, the mnemonic is, I'm free. I-M-F-R-E-E. The I stands for step one, I'm upset. 
The M stands for step two. It's about me. Me, me, me. No one or no thing outside of me causes my upset. Step three, F for the F-R-E-E. Focus on the feelings. Step four, R for remember my ancient feelings. Step five, E, for establish, establish my judgment of myself at that earlier memory, when a, a time when I had the same feeling I'm having today. And step six, embrace, E, for embrace the truth about me. So this is, I forgive myself for forgetting, my true nature is love, and my value is internal and unchanging, and I forgive myself for believing the negative. whatever that negative thought, meaning, belief was that I downloaded. And Diedrich's experience is that the more he works with that and moves back and forth between his adult present moment self and the younger self that he has from some memory with the same emotion, and he repeats that forgiveness process, which for him is to say I forgive myself for forgetting the truth about myself and I forgive myself for believing the negative about myself and he visualizes doing it as a child or a younger version of himself and he visualizes himself doing it as an adult and when he does that powerful shifts happen he dismantles the impact of the negative belief he downloaded So chapter 5 in his book is titled Step 1. He's going to go into more detail at Step 1. Recognize that I'm upset. He quotes um, Haruki Murakami, who says, I get irritated, I get upset, especially when I'm in a hurry. But I see it all as part of our training. To get irritated is to lose your way in life. Diedrich writes, check to see if these complaints ring a bell. Quote, she always criticized me in public. Close quotes. Or, quote, my son is out so late, I'm worried. Close quotes. Or, quote, I just don't fit in here. Close quotes. Or, where did she put the remote? Or, I wish he would not do it that way. Or, that man has 14 items and he's in, he's, what's he doing in the express lane? From the time we wake up in the morning until we go to bed at night, we are presented with countless opportunities to get upset. Sadly, we rarely pass up any of these offerings. The purpose of this chapter is to define an upset as any state of mind other than peaceful or happy. So, being worried, being sad, being angry, being bored, being annoyed, being anxious, being depressed, being lonely, or even being slightly irritated fits the definition in this work of an upset. 
The good news is that upsets are gold if we learn to see them that way. Now, what do I mean by this quote, an upset is gold, close quotes? It's simply this. Every upset serves a purpose. Actually, every upset serves two diametrically opposing purposes. From the ego's point of view, the purpose is to prove that my beliefs are correct. In other words, an upset serves as evidence of what I believe. However, from my higher self's point of view, the upset gives me an opportunity to realize that a mistaken core belief has chosen evidence to provoke an upset. And that now that I can correct that belief because I am aware of it, and this is the gift, this is the gold. Now, this can be hard to accept sometimes. So Deidre says, let's break this down a little. How many of us are used to being mildly upset, irritated, disappointed, or just out of sorts many times every day? He says, I know I am. How did I used to deal with these disturbances? I used to push them aside, ignore them. It's not a big deal, I'd say to myself. Or I'd say, don't sweat the small stuff. Or I'd pour a glass of decent wine or smoke a joint. One thing is for sure. I would blame myself, someone or something, since there had to be a cause out there for my upset. I had a whole range of such coping techniques. But in the long run, they didn't work. In the long run, in fact, not only do coping techniques fail, they may lead to depression, chronic anxiety, and even physical illness. To be really happy, we must become increasingly vigilant about noting and then processing as many upsets as we possibly can each and every day. That sounds like hard work, you say. Well, yes, but would you agree that it may be a whole lot easier than being miserably unhappy or even slightly annoyed most of your life? Over time, it provides a much higher payoff than downing three martinis a day at lunchtime or than filing for that second divorce. The following is is an example of someone who had been doing this work for a while but got tripped up one day after receiving an email that upset him. Here's Taylor's account of the incident. Some days it feels like it doesn't take much to upset me. The difference, after becoming aware of my thoughts and feelings, is that I can now interpret my thoughts and the resulting behaviors by noticing that I'm upset. I'll give you an example. At the time, I was looking for a new job, something that, like most people, I've always found quite stressful. One day, I was following up on a promising lead when the hiring manager at a company that I thought I would enjoy working for, a promising lead with the hiring manager of a company I thought I would enjoy working for, and I received a short email response from him after submitting my resume. My immediate thought upon receiving this curt reply was that I wasn't qualified for the position. 
my interpretation was that he didn't think I was capable of handling the job, given my experience. This conclusion put me in a tailspin, and pretty soon I was thinking that I would never find a new job. Physically, I felt my heart rate increase. In my car, on the way to a meeting, I was so distracted that I wasn't paying any attention to my driving. I wasn't very present or aware of my surroundings on the road. Noticing and then acknowledging this, I pulled over for a few minutes in order to process my upset. Being aware of my thoughts and feelings allowed me to change my mind. In a few short minutes, I had clear head and was ready to engage in my meeting in a fully present state. The funny thing is, when I really stopped to think about it, nothing had actually happened. I read an email, I assigned a certain meaning to it, and I started beating myself up mentally because of my interpretation of it. After processing the upset, I could see the communication for what it actually was, a completely neutral acknowledgement of the resume that I had sent. Nothing more, nothing less. Diedrich writes, as you can see from this example, Taylor was completely honest with himself about what was going on, which allowed him to fully and quickly process the incident and regain peace. It is important to note that if he completed the six-step process and truly healed the triggered belief, then he would not only get over this incident, but similar incidents in the future would be reduced since the belief that would drive them would no longer be in play or at least its power would be diminished. This underscores the need we all have to be aware at all times of our emotional state. Kuan Yin is quoted as saying, everyone creates realities based on their own personal beliefs. These beliefs are so powerful that they can create expansive or and trapping realities over and over again. Diedrich writes, a big part of this first step is not to accept the, the ego's first explanation or the ego's justification for any upset. Instead, we need to learn that we are never upset for the reason we think. So take a deep breath and repeat to yourself, I am never upset for the reason I think. Any upset triggers feelings within us that are derived from our reaction to something that happened in our past. You may find it a challenge, and yet it's important to resist the temptation to say, I'm upset because... Dot, dot, dot. Whatever the because is, the justification that your belief is choosing in order to not heal is not what's really motivating your feeling. It sounds a bit perverse, does it not? Yet, it is a perversity of our own making. Here's an example of this from my own life. Many years ago, a group of dedicated practitioners and I founded an organization dedicated to working with at-youth risk. With youth who are at risk. One of the co-leaders of that organization, a powerful presence, indicated that she might leave the group. I had a huge emotional response 
which was out of proportion to the circumstances of the situation. I knew that a quick process would bring me to a calm and rational understanding of the situation, so I went back to the feeling of intense fear and deep loss that this woman's words had brought up in me. And I allowed the feeling to balloon to the point where I was literally heaving with emotion. And then it came back to me. The feeling went back to the camps and the time my brother had taken care, had taken me with him to forage for edible leaves. We had to sneak under the fence to the, quote, outside, close quotes, in order to find the plant material. This was a risky endeavor, for if caught, we would be severely punished. My brother was older than me, and he was the leader. I trusted him like no other, for my life was quite literally in his hands. One wrong move by him, and we would both be in peril. Cut to my colleague announcing that she might be leaving, and my seemingly disproportionate feeling response. I quickly realized that I had transferred that ancient trust in my brother to her, and that at some deep, unconscious level, I made her into the one person in our organization whom I could trust with my life. Not only that, but I created this belief that I needed her for my very survival. I I processed that, and I have not had an analogous reaction since then. And she did not leave, I'm happy to report. There are no small upsets. In addition to understanding that I'm never upset for the reason I think, it's also important to remember that there are no small upsets. All of them are equally disturbing to my peace of mind. If I truly wish to be at peace, I must be vigilant and catch even the smallest irritation. I must acknowledge that I have been triggered somehow, take ownership of my experience, and be determined to get to the root of it. Here's an example. One day at our center in Costa Rica, Patty's husband Simon had offered to make a chocolate cake for the whole group at the center to enjoy. This triggered a reaction in Patty, which she explained as follows. She was upset, quote, because, close quotes, Simon was always making chocolate cakes to impress their guests. As I said, as I just said, quote, beware of the because. Even though Patty typically did most of the cooking for their frequent visitors, Simon would be the one to get the attention and the accolades for his cakes and other baked goods. In the circle of processing, Patty agreed to process her reaction, and she recalled an event wherein she had baked a chocolate cake for a contest held by her Girl Scout troop. Patty didn't win despite being absolutely convinced that nothing could beat her grandmother's chocolate cake recipe. Her best friend, Florentine, made an entry, and it was really better by far, but Patty couldn't accept that at the time, and she behaved very badly in protesting the judge's outcome. Her anger and sense of being unfairly treated was so strong that Patty and her best friend had an irreparable falling out. And then Patty blamed herself for being bad and a heinous creature and even unworthy of love. 
These major beliefs were sorely in need of correction, which Patty proceeded to do in the processing circle. As a seemingly trivial upset was resolved, the end result was a significant healing for Patty. Thus, any upset, however small it seems, may lead to great progress in the shifting of old and stubborn beliefs. Patty's initial reaction to her husband making the cake was, quote, he's going to get love for this, which means there is less love for me, close quotes. The belief behind it was, quote, love comes from the outside, and I do not have any in myself, close quotes. To Patty, validation and recognition by others was a substitute for loving of the capital S self. By correcting these erroneous beliefs, she cleared the barriers to love, the beliefs that stood in the way to her knowing who she really is, which is capital L love itself. The next section is titled, What is it for? Diedrich writes, All day long we need to check in with this question. How am I feeling? The answer might be, I'm upset. I'm either angry or sad or whatever it is, but I'm upset. There's something going on and I'm believing something. I'm not at peace. That is the first step. If something, needs, if something indeed appears to be very wrong, then someone trained in applying the six-step process to all upsets will almost immediately ask, quote, what is this for, close quotes. That means one is willing to look for the healing opportunity inherent in the upset. A person who's trained in the six-step process will not ask, well, why did this happen? Because that question implies that something absolute, someone or something went wrong. Somebody did something wrong. The question, quote, what is this for, close quotes, implies that the incident contains a gift, although we may not be seeing that gift right at the moment. It's our job to figure out what the gift is. Eventually we'll be able to see that nothing ever goes, quote, wrong, close quotes. In the beginning, that recognition may require a leap of faith. Learning to make that leap will deliver surprising dividends. In the beginning, that recognition is very difficult. If I'm very aware that taking the faith-based position that nothing ever goes wrong is a huge stretch, and it might even seem offensive to some people, just be with it for a while, and you'll see how your perception of the world starts shifting. Now, this is such a radical position, a radical radical shift for so many people that it moves me as a sidebar to the, the book to say, please keep some area of your consciousness tuned into your body, your mind, your physical sensations, your emotions. And when you hear something like this, everything that happens is good. Everything is for a purpose. And you've got a tightness or a tension or you've got a a voice in your head that says that's complete nonsense, just breathe and soften 
you may be right. We're not saying this is the absolute truth. We are saying that whenever we have a strong reaction, whether it's a physical contraction, a negative thought, or a negative emotion, or as he's talking about in this book, any kind of an upset, it's an indication within our mind-body energy system that something is amiss. It's off the mark inside us. Some old pain, some old trauma, some old negative belief has just gotten activated, and it is driving the bus. It is choosing our emotion. So the faith-based position is to say, not faith in any religion, not faith in any outside force, just the, the faith that things work out and that when I have a negative response to something, it's an opportunity for me to heal something I was carrying around in me that I didn't know needed healing. Diedrich writes, At a recent workshop, we enjoyed the presence of a most vociferous participant. In the first few days of the week-long event, she allowed us many glimpses into the fearful, angry, suspicious world that she had made up for herself. Much of her anger and fear was directed at the fact that, quote, immigrants were moving into the neighborhood, close quotes. One story featured a black cab driver who had turned on his GPS in order to drive her to the airport, which somehow she found personally insulting. Why? Because she felt that using a GPS was symptomatic of incompetence and not being trustworthy, of being an unwanted foreigner, and so on and so on. As she ranted about all of this, all of us in the healing circle maintained our focus, just listening. If one listens carefully, the person sharing a story will inevitably tell you exactly who they think they are. When she wound down, I asked her if there could be, perhaps, another way of interpreting the cab driver's story. She was adamant that there was not. So I asked everyone in there what might be another way of seeing this event another interpretation. One by one, alternative interpretations started to flow. One thought was, he was a new driver and he wanted to make sure he chose the quickest route. Another thought was, he was simply following company policy. Another thought was, he had heard there was some construction along the planned route and he wanted to make sure to avoid it. Another one was, he had a rough night and was not too sure about how to get there. Another one was, a previous passenger had accused him of taking an unnecessarily long way. Another one was, by checking his GPS device, he could provide a number of possible routes that the client could choose from. Another one was, the driver was providing transparency in his operation so that the client could know exactly where he was going. All in all, about 15 different ways of seeing the situation were presented, and none of them would have led to an upset. Remember, we are, in fact, never upset 
by a fact, by, by the events, only at our interpretation of that fact or event. Every experience I have on this planet is the result of my interpretation. That interpretation is chosen by the self that I made up. It's chosen by the set of beliefs that I call me. So in this situation, in the healing circle, the woman listened, although she kept wanting to interrupt, but she was repeatedly encouraged to take in the information being offered. She remained resistant to any other way of seeing that day. But the next morning, she spoke up first in the group to say, I have thought about it and realized it's possible that the cab driver was trying to be helpful. This was a major breakthrough. This woman had never allowed anyone to help her, and thus to allow the idea of being helped was incredibly healing. It helped her confront a core belief at the center of her ego, and it was therefore hard to accept at first. If we only suffer from our interpretation of an event, then the event itself is not important. Sit with that thought for a moment. You might well ask, are you saying that the trauma of incest is the same as a, sub, a stubbed toe? No, that sounds absolutely insane. And yet, at a different level of scale, yes, ultimately that is what we teach here. The I, whom I've made up, is choosing my experience of any event. Whatever happens to your body in no way alters who you truly are and has no effect on the love, capital L, love, at the core of your being. Whether you stub your toe, break an arm, suffer a molestation, all of these traumas happen to the body. The issue is body identification, the thought that we are nothing more than our bodies. For many years, we've worked with a considerable number of clients who have suffered sexual, physical, and emotional abuse. It may come as a surprise to you that as soon as a client recognizes the profound validity of this teaching, they begin to heal. Yes, someone did something to your body. We do not ever question that. And what have you done with it? How have you interpreted, how have you interpreted that event as having a specific meaning about you or as, as your responsibility? With this perspective and their willingness to look at the downloads, the beliefs, they no longer see themselves as victims and they begin taking on the role of absolute authority in their lives. Little by little, you will transform your life by asking, I wonder what this is for. Gradually, we can begin to see that everything happening to you is actually happening for you. That's the key question. But you can't get where you want to go if you don't train the mind. Are you up for this much commitment to your own happiness? I've asked this before. Are you worth the effort? And if you're going to move forward in this work, your response must be a resounding yes. Of course, in Miracles is then quoted as saying, 
An untrained mind can accomplish nothing. It is the purpose of these exercises to train the mind to think along the lines which the course sets forth. So then there's a summary of that chapter. Point number one, upsets are gold because they represent opportunities for healing. Point number two, we are never upset for the reason we think. Point number three, resist the temptation to say, I'm upset because dot, dot, dot. Point number four, there are no small upsets. And of course, in Miracle says at one point, the slightest irritation is connected to the deepest rage. Point number five, we are not upset by facts or events. Upsets are the result of our interpretations and our interpretations are based on the beliefs we hold about ourselves point number six want to be right about an upset today do you do not make yourself wrong about that observe it and smile so that's chapter five and i think we'll stop there and leave time for comments questions, discussion, reactions. Again, we're reading from Diedrich Wolzak's book titled Choose Again, Six Steps to Freedom. How's it landing for you? And I tell you, this will give you just a little taste of how radically Diedrich stays with this idea of I'm responsible for everything that happens. He'll even take responsibility for the tsunami that wipes out, you know, thousands of people in a village because he has found that it's most useful for him to take that interpretation of life to find the way to obliterate any excuse, any blame, any finger pointing, any trying to locate the cause of what he's feeling outside of himself. And it's exactly what's taught in the Way of Mastery and the Course in Miracles and the Michael Rice work. And we can each of us uh, do our own exploration with this. Try it on. See how it works. And to great, we can also, to great effect, keep a larger portion of our conscious awareness focused on any kind of an upset, any kind of a tension or a negative judgment, any part of me that wants to argue against this that isn't just a calm observation of a deep truth. You know, if I'm if I find myself saying, that's crap, well I have a tightness, I have a tension, I've got an elevated vocal tone, I can know in that moment I'm not seeing things clearly. Whenever I'm seeing something clearly, I will feel I will be calm. There will be a peace 
presence of an upset or any negative emotion is my alarm system telling me my brain in this moment is trying to use faulty data to reach its conclusions. And I'm free to follow that, you know, follow down that rabbit hole. And I'm also going to get the same kind of result I've always gotten whenever I charge off through the filter or the haze or the interpretation provided by anger and fear. So our call-in number is 563-999-3581. We've got quite a few people on the call, some numbers I don't even recognize. Feel free to put up a hand. Give us a, uh, a comment or a question or a refutation, if that's your your choice today. I've had quite a bit of um, feedback recently on the idea of what is healthy is is a belief and the the, you know, the potential benefits of questioning every belief. And I see that as weaving in just point for point with what Diedrich was talking about in this last chapter, that any belief, especially if it's accompanied by any kind of attention or a negative emotion, we can know is not about what's going on in the present moment, and it's not coming from good data. It's not showing me the truth. It's only showing me my interpretation of the truth. And if I'm willing to choose again, choose a different interpretation or question it or, or the question that Diedrich poses in this particular chapter is, what is this for? My, my eye and ear, my mind says that's similar to the question we were bringing up recently which is we recommend people whenever they're upset take a breath, turn the focus inside and ask themselves, what am I making this situation mean? What's the interpretation I'm putting on this current life situation? And as Diedrich says, you know, your experience of your life is going to be created by the interpretation you place on life events, not by the events themselves. And he takes that, you know, to the extreme. He says everything from a stub toe to a molestation. And He's very, very solidly rooted in the fact that for years now he's been running this healing center and many people who've had lots of traumas, physical and sexual and emotional abuse, find peace, find resolution, even though they don't go back and relive their lives. They don't go back and change what happened in the past. Because the pain I'm experiencing today, when I think about the divorce I didn't want back in, you know, 2004, 2006, etc., if I generate pain in my mental, emotional, physical experience today as I think about that, 
it's not being caused by that event. Because that event happened and has been over for a long time. So if it's not being caused by the event, what's it being caused by? It's caused by what I'm making it mean, what I'm, the interpretation I've chosen and placed on that, and the beliefs about myself and or the other traumatic energies that are getting resonated by that energy when I pour my mind energy into it. And this is just not what we're taught. This is not standard psychological fare. It's getting more and more commonplace. That, that, I'm, I'm sure it's commonplace, but there's more and more places you can run into similar observations. And it comes whenever anybody's willing to put forth a teaching based on observation rather than belief. putting forth a teaching that isn't based on a theory, it's based on direct observation of how things work when people make a shift. And um, I'm pleased to say that similar ideas are making their way into various types of therapeutic settings none of them quite as clean and pure as Michael Rice's work, Byron Katie's work, Diedrich Wolzak's work, etc. But just the fact that there's more than one and it's happening, um, bubbling up here and there, is um, something I take heart in. Area code 808, you're in the air. Hi. Oh. Roma. Ms. Roma. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Nice. Let's see. And, um, I'm listening to Roma. you this morning. Are you are you talking? Are you breaking up? Oh, you can't hear me. I'm turning well, up my volume as high as it'll go. Try again. Say hello. Hello, Art. Can you hear me now? It is uh, a little, a little soft, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, um, at just listening to you, what I'm aware of is that the moment where the actual shift, transformational shift, occurs for me in Dr. Rice's "Why Is This Happening to Me Again?" is the moment where we visualize ourselves as a newborn baby. And when, as, as soon as I do that, whatever upset I have diagnosed and looked at all the details with earlier in the worksheet, at that moment when I visualize myself as a newborn baby, it's like taking the plug out of a sink full of water. And the whole okay. thing is Okay, hold on. Hold on and take a breath. I'm hearing almost everything you're saying. I didn't catch when you visualize yourself as what? As a newborn baby. Got it. Okay, good. Yeah. And that that's wanted, the thing that yeah. provides you the shift, like pulling the plug out of a bathtub? Exactly. And it never fails. 
Excellent. I just wanted to share that with you all. Well, and that is right in line with what Dr. Rice talks about, that the actual mechanism for the transmutation of anything that's less than love is bringing conscious, active presence of that energy to the forefront in our minds. So when we bring something that's less than love into the presence of that active, conscious, active, present love, as Dr. Rice talks about it, there's that automatic process. It's not my conscious, logical mind sorting things out. There's this transmutation of energy, and that fits your experience. Oh, and I guess my question is, in listening to all of these other techniques, uh, is there a moment similar to newborn moments uh, with Michael's work? Or It, it yes, sounded yes. to me like it's well-diagnosed, but where does the healing happen? Well, in this where work... The, with, yeah, in the in, other, in in other people... In this work, which is the Choose Again work by Diedrich Wolzak that we're, we're reading about right now, if you go back oh. and listen to the uh, Monday show where all six steps are spoken through, it's essentially the same thing because he says, look, I recognize I have an upset today, and I, then I say, okay, um, this is mine. I'm not going to deny it. It's all about me. And then I'm going to step into what is my feeling. I'll identify the feeling and make it as strong as I can so it's not slipping away. And then I ask, what's one of the first times I felt this feeling? And, and when I sit there, I've made the feeling very strong. I have that energetic resonance, and I'm, a memory will come to me. And I might be from a teenager or in my 20s or in my younger years, but when the memory comes up, now I go back and I interview my younger self, and I ask myself, what did you make this mean about yourself when this event happened, when your aunt you know, gave somebody else a birthday gift in your family but never gave you a gift or whatever the, you know, the, the, the dynamic was? And now you've got a belief about yourself, a negative belief about yourself that comes to the surface. Now the healing part is in the next step where Diedrich says he coaches himself as the adult and the younger person to say these two things. Number one, I forgive myself for believing the negative thought. Number two, I forgive myself for forgetting that my true nature is love, that I was this innocent newborn, as you're talking about, that my value is internal and unchanging. He has the same core observation about what does the, the transformation or the healing because Diedrich's work is based in The Course in Miracles. Your true nature is love. You cannot be damaged or hurt, or chipped, dented, rusted, faded, or broken in any way. And you can create the experience of being hurt or damaged, but it's a false belief. So it's just a slightly different way to talk about the very same process. When you remember that your true nature is love and that you're whole and complete just as you are and that nothing of value can be taken from you and nothing of value can be added unto you, then you wake up and recognize that this false belief you're carrying is truly false. And when you see it as false, it loses its ability to influence your experience or your, your feelings in the moment. Hey, good. 
And again, if you wanted to listen back to the Monday show, I think all six steps from Diedrich's process were in that one recording as I was reading from his book. Well, I got it today in today's show, though, too, because you made the steps a couple times. So today was good. Sweet experience for me. Thank you very much. I'm glad you find it that. Any other comments or input from you? No, just have a good day, everybody, no matter where you are on the planet. All right, same we'll to you. Same Blessing. here in Maui. All right, blessings. So we've got about five minutes left. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one. How can we support you? What's your input? Your feedback. Area code 541 is not. There it is. Finally going to let me turn on your microphone. Is this Celinda? Yes, it is. Well, Thank you very much for today's lesson. It was very apt. And um, well, I, w- I wanted to share what really resonated for me. Uh, since we only have five minutes, I'll cut to the chase as best I can. Um, what really resonated to me when Dietrich Wolzak considers himself responsible for Fukushima, for example. And um, all of a sudden I remembered a memory. After my first husband died, I was wrestling with making the meaning out of it all. I had become a pacifist um, by choice, uh, partly because of my religious background and partly because of a little Leo Tolstoy tract I ran across called The Kingdom of God is Within You. And so after he died, I began to follow the process of saying, well, why did he die? Well, he died because he chose to to fly fighter jets. Well, why did he die? Well, the plane was defective. Well, why did he die? Because the military commanders wouldn't um, deal with a defective plane, uh, and they lost a lot of pilots as a result. Well, well, why did he die? Well, people support war. Well, why did he die? You know, and I went all the way back until I realized all of the years when I was growing up, when I was gung-ho military because I was a military dependent, and so it just dawned on me there's nobody who is not causal in some way or another if they're out of a state of love. And I realized that then, but not about the state of love. And so there was a lot of blame and shame going all the way around of myself for not being the perfect wife, of um, Michael for choosing the jets, of all of the government, all the way back to all those why questions. And today, for the first time, I realized... That was a partial truth, and I believe that partial, partial, partial truth because of everything that we, of everything we contribute to the collective in our energy field. Uh, but for the first time, I don't have the shame. I don't have the grief about it. I just say, oh, it's part of that practice, part of that process. So that was very, very helpful to help me come more into a recognition that I am love. 
and love expressing. And sometimes my expression does not come from my source, comes from my ego. So I just wanted to share that with you. That was very helpful. Thank you very much for reading that. Well, you're very welcome and deserving, and I'm glad that helped you uh, listening to that help you have a shift. I'm. Uh, I love those shifts. Yeah, well, that's you know, that's one way to talk about it is from fear to love. You make that shift from fear to love, and healing happens. Another way to talk about it is you make that shift from away from believing a negative into seeing the false nature of the negative, and. However you want to talk about it, when it happens, it's the felt sense that makes all the difference in my life. So I will mute you so you can listen to the second hour. Thank you for the call. Thank you, Roma. And um, today's Friday, so we'll be back on Monday. And uh, we'll be grateful for everybody who chooses to join us. Thank you all for being here today. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of this stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. And uh, just so you know, I took the uh, an excerpt of just uh, those six steps where you read on uh, last Monday, I believe it was, and put it in a, the special shows. And so in today's notes, I've also put a link to that. So that was awesome. Excellent. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful show. Thank you. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. Today is Friday. It's been a fast week. October the 6th, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1. And that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And, Selena, your hand was up yesterday, and we pressed to turn your microphone on, but then you weren't there, so we didn't know if if it was just a leftover hand up from Dr. Tim's show or if you wanted to talk and we weren't connecting. So I've got your microphone on now. Hope you're doing well. Selena. Well, I guess it's going to do it to us again. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll give Michael just a moment to dial in, and uh, I'm going to turn your microphone back off to Linda, and if you want to talk, then press 1, and it'll it'll put a hand back up again. But uh, oh, there you are. So welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> we connected I, I was, yesterday. I was making my bed, running back and forth from getting oh. the covers and stuff. And so all of a sudden I heard this faint, Selinda, Selinda. So I ran over <laughs> here. Like, so it, well, thank goodness I live in a motorhome. We, um, <laughs> we, we did that yesterday. We uh, turned on your mic because we weren't sure if it was left over from talking to Dr. Kim or if you wanted to talk. But then... We never heard heard you. We kept saying hello, but anyway, yeah. so I'm glad oh, we connected. I, I must have run outside to get something or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just I just I just heard Tim say yesterday to if you if you have been talking and your microphone is on or your hand is up, then turn it off. Um, right. 
and so you would yeah. know. So I tried to do Correct. that today, but I must have done it at the wrong time. Maybe I need to do it as soon as you come on. Anyway, it's oh, all that's good. Okay. It's all good. Good, good. Um, well, Michael is with us now. So welcome, Michael. Celinda's with us. Hello, dear Michael. Hello. Welcome, you, welcome you young sure? lady. We, we watched you yesterday. <laughs> I, um, so how do you be? What's exciting in your world? How can we support you today? Uh, what's exciting in my world is I'll tell you in just a second. I had a quick question to ask Jeannie. Jeannie, I sent you two or three pictures of when I was in Japan. Did you get those all right? I texted them to you. Yes, ma'am, I did. Was that appropriate? I mean, I have mentioned to Aria Rain, and I, I'm I'm really pokey because we're running around being squirrels here in the fall. But um, the, I just wondered if that was appropriate because I would send more, and uh, if she's visiting sometime, maybe you could right. call me and I could uh, do a little more fun explanation, you know, background for her than I could put in the text. But what do you think? Has she been able to see oh, yeah. yet? Um, I got them after I had taken her home. We do get her okay. again today. So oh, um, we've got, we're actually, we're planning a photograph of Nene and Papa and Aria today, and she's keeping it a secret. So, oh, good. How fun. <laughs> yeah, so when I pick her up from school, we're going to do that. We took her shopping the other day and let her pick out her own outfit that she was going to wear in it. And so... We're excited to do that with her today. <laughs> well, I have, uh, between my not wanting to get on the uh, computer or electronics too much, and I'm on the phone quite a bit with the shows and stuff, um, just because the energy field I don't care for and because of my eyes that I'm working with, um, the I just wanted to make sure I get a backlog, and I just wanted to make sure that that's something that she really enjoys. And then when whenever it's there's no hurry because I got more pictures to send if she really likes that. Okay, it just you know it's funny because some days she'll be all into something. Like the other day we had um, these dinosaur eggs. And you get them wet, and then you chip them open. And she was all excited, and she loved it, and she had such a good time. Well, we've got 11 more of those eggs, and she's yet to be interested in cracking another one. Yep, she has to wait yeah. to be inspired, right? Yep, so we just wait. You know, it's like, okay, one of these days she'll want to do it again. Yep. Following her guidance. Like all of us. It's, yeah, it's like every one of us, right? What I want to share with you, Michael, was how um, – touched I was about your with your conversation and Dr. Tim's conversation with Susan yesterday and partially touched because there's so many um, things that uh, Susan says that I say I know that one I know that one <laughs> and so touch me uh, too but when, yeah yeah when you uh, cried it was almost like a confirmation for my self-work where I have come to realize I cry over everything. I am so sensitive. I can go to a horse race and cry. So, 
Go figure. Uh, When I'm expressing love towards someone, I get so wrapped up in that feeling that I cry. And to realize, and I came to the realization that tears come from all different reasons, you know, intentions within ourselves, body intentions, not body feelings. And what I realized was a, a deeper element to that. It's like we have tears of gratitude, we have tears of thankfulness, we have tears of beauty and tears of joy and tears of excitement and and then all the negative tears, all the tears of sorrow and grief. And grief is shame and grief, Um, deep grief and regret are my primary drive, guilt, those four, regret, grief, guilt and shame are my that's my those are my core issues and that includes never being good enough and everything else so what i realized was chemically the tears are different depending on how what we're crying for or because of um but behind that joy behind that gratitude and behind all of those positive tears is a deep healing process. It just it hit me in the gut. A deep healing process because the grief is coming out, the shame is coming out, the regret, the, the guilt, the, all of these negative feelings, these ancient energies that are tucked in ourselves are coming out, at least for me. That's the, that's the sense I get, the, the body. And the eyes, yeah, the eyes and the tears and, are definitely a way of detoxing for sure. Right, and so we, yes. we can be grateful and we can have healing grief come out of us at the same time through the very same tears, you know, like the multi-purpose. And I just wanted to share that with you and well, thank Susan you. And, okay. um, because it, it was a real shift for me. Uh, it's not an either-or situation. Life, life is not either-or, I've decided. It's this yeah. and that. We're rocking along. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you. Well, is there, is there any of that that you're going through we can support you with today? Um, yeah, I'm going to the garden and try to dig my my bulbs, my garlic bulbs, into this very hard ground. So think of me. <laughs> I came home in a sweat and, and exhausted yesterday. So <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, if we were only closer, we would come out and dig garlic bulbs with you. Oh, wouldn't that be sweet? Well, if I get a big, fat elephant garlic bulb um, next year, I'm going to send it to you and Jeannie. <laughs> and you can Well, actually, it. actually, I'll, I'll just suggest that you hold on to it. We don't do garlic anymore. Oh, you don't do stop garlic? Eating, okay. Stop eating garlic, yeah. Did it, did it bother you? No, 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 no bother. Just uh, learning more about it and working with, building and preserving the microbiome and recognizing the garlic is a pretty powerful antibiotic and in a situation where there's some sort of an infection or something can be quite useful but uh, not so sure how beneficial it is to the microbiome just on a normal basis so on that on that uh, basis of chosen to stop using it and onions too to a degree Although we still do a few onions, green onions or something like that, but uh, those things that are kind of natural antibiotics, we sort of drop them off and 
and to focus on building the microbiome, which is a real key yeah, to health, I think. Yeah, that's good. I'd love to, I'd love to um, investigate that more with you. Uh, one of the things yeah. I've uh, realized is that garlic helps keep my candida down, so I do use it. And with my lung conditions, I also do because, it, what do they call it, Russian penicillin, right? That's what the Russians use to uh, deal with any influenza or anything along that line. Yep. Too. It's so, an antibiotic. So it sure. helps me right now. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I, I honor and I'm curious to know uh, how you are in building your microbiome and your gut more. So, um, sometimes, pardon? I say all of the above. Okay. So, um, sometime we'll talk about it. That would be great. Thank you so much. I think I'm complete. All right, and and you have a blessed one. Carry on, you two. You're very precious, as is Dr. Sam and all of us. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, Miss Jeannie, we have two new videos on the website. We do, we on our, and on their YouTube about, channel. Right. We talked about this group in um, in New York who somehow they came up with me, found me, and offered an award of business person of the year within the context of their Bailiwick, and as a result, did two interviews with a woman named Jill Nicolini, who's a TV personality in New York, who's been on things like Sex in the City, TV show, that sort of thing. And one of them was basically other each 30 minutes. The first one, we laid out the forgiveness process. That was kind of the question of what what is it that you do? We want to put it out to our audience, and they're supposed to be playing it on same places like Spotify and Apple Apple Podcasts and all of that. So, and uh, and then the second one, we were explaining. We got into doing the forgiveness process and uh, ended up with a couple of technical glitches at the beginning of it. So, got halfway through a worksheet. And uh, ran out of time, so just ended up doing the last steps of the worksheet in you know, in about 45 seconds and a, a slide of resources. So if you want to look at that, you can uh, go to whyagain.org. And, and where would they find it, Jeannie, if they want to take a look? The, the, the second hour, uh, you know, the way it was cut short didn't work very well, but the fir- or pardon me, the second half hour, but the first one, uh, well, the comment Jeannie, she was listening in the background, the comment Jeannie made was, you got a lot in there in 30 minutes. So it is a pretty concise picture of the forgiveness work. Okay. Um, they can either look at the notes for today. They go to the website. There is a link at the top that's called Multimedia. And under Multimedia, there's a watch and listen free. And it's under the radio TV interview downloads. If they go to our YouTube channel, it'll probably be the two most recent ones that pop up. Awesome. Well, it'll be interesting to see what kind of results come about. They're supposed to have a podcast audience of something like several hundred thousand people, and they're supposed to play each of these 
videos 200 times in the next year. So we'll see what it does to our audience. And beyond that, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up, sweetie, or anybody in the chat room with a thought force? Susan has her hand up. And 610, you're on the air. Awesome. Hello. Love it. Welcome, young lady. Thanks. Thanks for your text, Michael. I didn't know what to say, so I didn't say anything, but how are you doing? I'm doing well. I was doing really well yesterday with everything that was moving. I was When I sent you that text after the show, it was a text of appreciation for what opened up in me and what opened up for me. So mm-hmm. Good. it just moved some energy at a pretty deep level. Actually, I don't know, you may remember on a radio show, I've shared it maybe once or twice since we've been doing this show, but back about... Hmm, 21 or 22 years ago, I was out in Arizona speaking at a religious conference, and I flew in, and there were some people who were putting me up, and I went into a healing crisis that was probably the most severe I've ever had, and the people that I was staying with actually were concerned that I was going to die. My my healing crisis was that severe. The symptoms were that severe. Having It was wow. a space where I really cleared out a lot of my old lung stuff, but it was like pretty severe. And mm. when I came into the airport, I'd rented a car, and they had also flown in. They had a, a timeshare type or a condo type place that we were staying at, and nobody else had a car but me, and I was really, I mean, extremely symptomatic, and nobody else was insured to drive the car, and they had to go out and get food. So I drove, and I sat in the parking lot of the food store while I went in to get food. And I had this deep, grief-stricken whale come out of me, like whale, like, oh, my God. And they had shown that morning a video of a woman who was giving her testimony, but her testimony was that when she was a kid, She and her brothers were around a campfire, and her brother threw some gasoline in the fire, and she was really severely burned and, like, really maimed as a result of it. Mm. Mm. And the video, she shared some of the uh, attacks, some of the degradation that she went through growing up as a teenager. I mean, it was really gut-wrenching, and it wrenched my gut, really showed me Mm. some stuff. And, you know, all the years I've been doing this work, and it it kind of ties in in another way in the conversation yesterday, because all the years I've been doing this work, it's always been, I'm staying for eternity. Let's go for it. We're going to make this available to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. That's just always been my commitment. But sitting in that parking lot that day, this wailing that came out of me and the, the thought that came with it, the expression that came with it was, I want to go home. I I don't want to go back where people treat each other like human beings. Enough of Mm. this already. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of akin to that. It was another Mm. level of that, another piece of that for me. So so it was good. 
And then after I breathed for about an hour and a half and was complete with uh, the processing of that, uh, it was time to get out and get my feet on the earth and just get grounded. So that's what I did. <laughs> but uh, appreciation for the conversation that you opened up and the, the spaces that it went to it was really... Uh, well, that's, you did that. <laughs> you did that. Because I couldn't, I couldn't possibly tell or recall what might have, from this end, I mean, something happened. It's amazing, though, isn't it? What, what happens to us? Yeah, it sounds It good. was the right environment. You know, it's that, again, that's the power, you know, as you're talking about with Terry, that's the power of community. You know, the gift we have to mm-hmm. give each other. And, yeah. you know, when when you can't get there on your own, I'm here to be the support and maybe can help you do it and vice versa. When I can't, there you are. And that's the power of community to me. You know, that's in that story we've talked about often about the woman who says, I just need to touch the hem of his garment. You know, what yeah. what she was talking about is I need the vitality of this person or this support or this community. And to me, that's what happened yesterday. And that's what we're here to do with and for each other. Um, and and everybody's so included, can, all of us. Yeah, I'm glad you can use that. I picture you and Dr. Tim as just giving, 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 and the idea that you could get something. And I, I don't really, it's not that extreme, but I like to think we are also contributing, and that was an affirmation. Not that we know how to do it or even intend anything in particular, but it's good. Definitely powerful, and and I assure you that both Dr. Chim and I and Jeannie are on an ongoing basis continuously doing our own work. Oh, I know It's you not are. a one-way street. Yeah. No, I, I know you are in general, but you're in you're in the giving mode. I'm glad it can the the road leads both ways in some at least sometimes. That's good. Well, I love. I love what Richard Bach says in his book, Illusions. We teach best that which we most need to learn. So, No, that is so true. <laughs> yeah. You know what it is that I need to learn. Here I am. I'm still doing it. Yeah. Okay, guys, I'll come downstairs. I can stay here, but Michael and Tim is taking Michael to a gig, and Tim's going to stay there and listen to him, but Michael's dog hasn't been acting very healthy, and so I'm dog-sitting. So I can dog sit and still listen. And well, we'll hold the space for both you and the dog and for Michael to yeah. Yeah. have a great experience That's getting out into the world and building yeah. his courage. Mm-hmm. I know. This is, this is good. All right. So. Well, anything else on your mind for today, young lady? Well, there's always, you know, Michael. Has anybody got a hand Well, up? go for it. We're here. I want to ask you a question, but also tell you. I tried to do that mind shifter. I started out with great vehemence for about three sentences. And I feel as if I turned into Rumpelstiltskin and it was just jumping up and down and I jumped right through the floor. And But what I jumped into was a completely different take on that mind shifter. All of a sudden, I could say, in every possible way, they did see me. 
Uh, and I remembered incidents. It wasn't just being, you know, a Pollyanna. I remembered my mother taking me to piano lessons with all the mending in a basket. She'd sit there and darn socks while I took my lesson or driving me to teach ballet when I was too young to be doing it, but we opened a little school. She would be my pianist. She managed the students, communicated with the parents, helped them build costumes when we did a little show. She was tireless. And other times when she tried to get me to open up to her, and I've talked to you about that, how I didn't open up, she was open. I was not. And anyway, they really were helpful. It's like balancing a boat. I just felt so much love for them and appreciation of them. And somehow the bad things that happened got greatly reduced by Tim. Good luck. Have fun. Tell Michael I'll go down every few minutes and check on the beast. Okay. All right. Hi, Jack. Uh, yeah, we, we're having animal week. We put down a dog and I have a, a cat with a tumor in his liver, I think, and we're taking care of him. And, ah, life Ouch. goes on in the weirdest way. Well, uh, he's, he's comfortable and he's still eating a little. Anyway, I won't, you know. Anyway, I just wanted to say, is that legitimate? Or did I resist can, your assignment? Can I add? <laughs> Please, yeah, go for it, Jeannie. It, it reminds me of a lady. I think we were in Seattle, Washington. I don't remember. And I was doing some private sessions with this lady from the church. And she could not think of a good thing about her mother. I mean, she was every worksheet we did was about her mother, but... At that time, the worksheet was a little bit different, and it actually asked you to name something. I don't even remember now how that was worded, Michael, but it was something like something loving that you can think about that person and something loving you can think about yourself. Mm -hmm. Right, that was the way to document you'd set Rachma. Right, and she could not think of anything. (laughs) Yeah, and she couldn't think of anything good to say about her mom, and finally... I mean, I don't know how many sessions we had. Finally, she had the memory of her mother making cookies just for her. It wasn't like she was making them for a party and she got some of them. Her mother made the cookies for her. And I said, Mm -hmm. okay, hang on to that thought. If that's the only good thought you can think about her, then put that thought down every time we do a worksheet. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't hardly any time that all of a sudden, and I've just got goosebumps, all of a sudden, she could think of all kinds of good things. But it was like mm-hmm. she was so set before on how bad her mom was that mm-hmm. the good about her mom couldn't even enter. And once she opened that door just a little bit and let that one thought about the cookies come in, it seemed like it just opened the floodgates for her. And that's what that's I thought wonderful. of when you were sharing that. Hey, yeah, and brilliant idea to keep putting down that positive thought until it sort of took hold and kicked in and wow good going Jeannie good going for you too that was awesome thank you yeah that's an awesome piece of work thank you what I hear you describing right what? what I hear you describing is you moved out of whichever of the hostility or fear whichever filter you were in into Rockman 
And it's Rachma that is the first law. So you just achieved a new state, I would offer, if that's what I hear, in regard to your mother. And that's where the healing happens. Moving out of it's the hostility so or fear, which only shows you things irritating or threatening, into Rachma, mm-hmm. which you know means Kuba is set, which means that your perception now can show you that which is based in love about the object of your attention. And that's the objective. So that, you know, to me, that's right on. And it, it, you know, Jeannie opened the show yesterday talking about a client she'd been working with. Yeah. And how he just stopped in his tracks when he's doing a worksheet as though he's his mom, and through his mom's eyes looks at him and realized he's approved of, he's held in love. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's where the healing happens that's where those old dynamics dissolve and it's retroactive and it spreads out like the situation with michael has had a shift all of a sudden and i don't know if i can maintain it i'm just loving it right now so many other things dr tim told me he asked me this question. Have you ever heard of what micro, do you know what microaggressions are? Did I mention this yesterday? <clears throat> no, and you didn't. I said, Go yeah, ahead. I know what that means. And he said, well, why don't you practice a little micro affection onto yourself? And it got me laughing. And I've laughed about it at other times after the show. But That's perfect. Isn't that perfect micro-affection for somebody who likes to beat up on themselves? I know Celinda talks about that. And um, <clears throat> micro-appreciations, <laughs> micro-approval, <laughs> micro, you know, I combed my hair. Good work. It's uh, somehow things are moving into a healthier knock on wood. Thanks to your work and I was so glad in spite of all my palaver yesterday you got something out of it for yourself I love it well I join you in receiving and have that which we each received continue to grow and expand through Mm. that presence of love that's you know you remind me about one of the most dramatic events and you've heard me share this before but we had a young man who from the time he was 15 to the time he showed up at heartland in his mid-30s or late 30s he had not drawn a sober straight breath in all those years and it was all about his hate relationship with his father and it was Mm -hmm. the second year that he was at heartland he was on the support team at heartland it was the second year he'd been there full time for two years and we were doing a still point session and all of and you know at the completion of the session what he shared was all of a sudden he felt like his energy field go down into the earth as though he had roots in the earth wow. and he got that shift you know here here the mind shifts into rachma and he has a memory of his father you know he's laying on the floor breathing and all of that put together and he has a memory of his father who's laying on the floor with him as a little kid bouncing and playing with him and having fun with uh-huh. him it was the first mm-hmm. positive memory that this guy had had with his father ever in his life that he could remember and then wow. as Jeannie said the floodgates opened yeah we finished out that intensive season and he got in his car and he drove to ohio to see his father who he'd avoided like the plague since he was 15. oh my god and they would just 
were were just back in love. You know, they were just back like nothing had ever happened. And his father, who had cancer and was actually dying, got in the car and drove from Ohio to Heartland that the mm. next summer to thank me for the shift in his son, which, of course, wasn't me. It was the work he was willing to do. But it it was just that moment where that shift occurred, and all of a sudden, the floodgates started to open up wonderful memories with that. Mm. Oh, wonderful. And so yeah, I'm I have delighted heard. that's open for you. That's that's awesome. Yeah. And the fact mm. that you bring that energy into the world means we all get that gift on another level as well. So mm, good. It is. It's awesome. Breathing with you is such a nice thing to breathe. Mm-hmm. So any other thoughts for today? No, I think I'm okay. I'm just going to, I've got a cat on top of me that where I just brought back from the vet uh, with all the tests. He came up while you were talking and he's lying on me. I'm, I lay down so he could crawl up and I've got a beast, right? You've got your hand in the Avison and I have a cat. Awesome. Very cool, young lady. And that, that makes me think of another lady that I worked with, um, and she had never had children. She didn't have any siblings that had children, so she never had nieces, nephews, or anything. So she did not have that newborn experience. But she mm-hmm. did have a cat that she adored. And so mm. when I would work with her, I would say, think about your cat. Well, she couldn't mm-hmm. just do that. She had to go actually get her cat and put it in her lap and pet it while we were doing worksheets or whatever. And then after <laughs> so long, <laughs> she did. And then after so long of a time, she was able to just think about her cat. And so it's, you know, just a process and practice, as Michael says, mm-hmm. you know, to to develop the skills to where it comes natural. And, you know, whatever you can use or, you know, do, if it's a cat or whatever, you know, take advantage mm-hmm. of it to get to that space. That's great. Good for your client that she knew she had to get the cat. <laughs> yeah, she did. She did go and pick it up and put it in her lap. Great. <laughs> mm. And they tap into the energy. You know, we do the steel point breathing once a month. And mm-hmm. probably six out of eight people that are in the steel point now have a dog or a cat. And always when we start breathing, their animal will come up and lay right beside them, if not on top of them. I mean, oh, they yeah. like the energy of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings up a whole other question about why do our animals get sick and die? And, Michael, you, you said they pick up our stuff. They pick it up more than we do. Or more than yeah. Well, they don't my, – my take is they don't have the ability to resist it. And animals, the same animal in the wild suffers from very few diseases, but then when they get into a close energetic connection with humans, suffer many, many, many more diseases. And oftentimes die of the diseases that their owners have as well. So it's Mm -hmm. energy and they don't have the ability to fight against it. That would be my take. 
And, and I think wild, sometimes I think that perhaps the uh, the animal, you know, that's part of their service in life is just to be there to process the energy, to handle the energy with us, to support us. Oh, I think so. But All in the wild, embracing they love. They do die in the wild, though. Yes, although there are, if you do some research on some of the indigenous societies, they say that what they observed was not animals dying in the wild, but animals would just disappear, i.e. they'd translate, they'd move from the physical dimension to the non-physical. And there are many accounts in indigenous cultures where they have seen that happening, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh, I I remember you mentioned that before, and I'd forgotten that. Translate. What a beautiful word. Yeah. Okay. All right. You have a blessed one, young lady. Thanks. You too. And I'll be on listening. Awesome. Blessings. Bye-bye. So, Miss Jamie, do we have anybody else on the phone with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? No, it is all quiet. So if someone presses one, you are first in line, and we have 25 minutes. Lots of time for conversation. So if you're out there in listener land, if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you, our call-in number is 563-999-3581. Call that number you're listening to the show directly on your phone. And then if you push one, We'll be having a conversation. And Selinda's hand went back up, so I'm going to turn her mic back on. 541, you're on the air. Yeah. Miss Selinda, do you have a question for us, young lady? No, I have an observation I want to share with you from the result uh, of your conversation. Okay. Uh-huh. Aren't we aren't we supposed to be aren't we supposed to translate as well? Like the animal? I, I think I think ultimately we could, uh, if we actually stopped killing ourselves and engaging in hostility or fear, that very likely we could get to the point where we could pick our structures up energetically, take them out of this dimension, and bring them back when we choose. That's, you know, there are many who say Yeshua comes to visit them exactly that way. So, yes, I believe so. Very good. It's it's been called transfiguration as well, but moving from one dimension to another. You know, and the, those who didn't have the brain cells for it spoke of Yeshua, spoke of his mother as being as being ascended into heaven. But translating, stepping up your frequency to another dimension would be, I suspect, exactly the same thing. And I like what you said. I mean, I really love what you said about when Yeshua came in, he was probably 80% there, but this was his last life to learn the other 20% was how I interpreted what you were saying. And um, I love that, too, because, because as I've mentioned on the show before, I took Jesus off the cross a long time ago, like when I was in my late 30s. <laughs> but it took me until now, until now to understand what that meant. Last, last Christmas... We went, you know, Aria is going to one of the better schools around here. It's a Catholic school, and uh, she's going to this school. And so we went to a 
Christmas play with her. And her comment was, I mean, she wasn't interested. I, we've talked about that's probably coming, getting him off the cross. But, you know, it was when she was still in kindergarten, so she'd have been, you know, four, a little, four plus a little bit. And she said, don't they know he grew up? You know, why is he still in the main, Why is he still a baby? He's, he grew up. Like, she, she got that one. <laughs> And I suspect it will probably won't be long before she's saying, hey, let's let him off the cross. And I don't know if you um, are on Facebook or not, but I had posted, you know, Susan actually sent us a manger scene, and Aria is playing with it. I mean, it's sitting here in the living room. I mean, it's not even near prison, but it's out here. And she goes, hmm, Jesus doesn't have a bed. And so she goes over to her dollhouse, and gets a, a bed out of her dollhouse and puts Jesus in it. So if you see the manger scene right now, he's in a little doll bed. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it brought tears to my eyes when Susan was talking about micro, microaggression and micro because I'd written that down at the time that Dr. Tim said that. And it uh, just reminded me, yes, I forgot about that, um, that affection that we give to ourselves, that we, we are basically nurturing ourselves. Ruha is nurturing us and guiding us. And we also are co-creating. We participate in that nurturance and guidance. And I thought, yes, yes, yes. And then when Susan mentioned about the thought about her mother and, and Jeannie, you mentioned that other lady and her her mother making cookies for her. And that was what I am finding now, that more and more memories of my mom are coming up where she did nurture me, she did care for me, and she wanted to protect me and keep me safe. So I just um, I just wanted to share that. And finally, you were talking about you just wanted to go home. That was what I was. I always wanted to go home, and I thought home was my dad's place, home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And then um, one of the things that has helping me with that is uh, when I was reading uh, Neil Douglas Klotz and his um, Hidden Gospel and uh, Original Prayer that I was listened to a lot, and uh, it was the beginning of a shift towards the Aramaic gospel, I do believe, besides your offering that I had madly written notes down on 30-some years before. Um, but he talks about home is this earth, this physical earth. It's the I can of our co-creative uh, power, and this is our home. We're not supposed to go to some distant heaven off in the future after we die or crawl back into the womb like the Eastern religions do. Um, my interpretation only now, understand, I know it's not all that, but my sense that, oh, I just want to crawl back into the womb of the oneness. And it's not about that at all. It's about uh, uh, claiming our inheritance, this I can dimension of the good earth and we're here to create Eden and um, 
and live in the oneness at the same time. And for me, that's just kind of where I am right now, and I know it'll change, but I thought I'd share that with you. Yeah. Yeah, if you listen, what I had said earlier in that space was home being the place where we, as human beings, treat each other as humans. And interestingly, in the the Aramaic language, we are our own neighbor. So when we're told to have rachma for the creator, for neighbor, that includes ourselves holding that space of active present love or micro affection, macro affection for ourselves is a part of the law. Yes, for sure. So micro, macro, good show. I love it. Let's go for it all. <laughs> Bless you too. <laughs> all right, young lady. <laughs> bye-bye. Okay, tell her you said hello already. Bye-bye. And we have another hand up. Awesome. Let's say hello. Joe, 864, you're on the air. 864, over. Uh, Roger. Roger that, 864 here. Hey there, young man. Now, here he is. Here's Dr. Joe (laughs) outstanding in his field. Here he is. Now, let's see. What can I say to introduce Dr. Joe? Um, I've got a salesman of trucks. Uh, no, not anymore. How do you beat, no, sir? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I thought this you gave was it up. Did I, you? I was calling. I did. I, I let it go. I've, I'm in the process of grieving the truck business. So mm. that's fine. I uh, anyway. Uh, Holding the yeah, space. Yeah, just it's just a yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's um, twelve over twelve years in that world, and kind of just and just sailing along right now, I think. Um, but I, I, I call because I, this isn't, I, I might have the wrong number. I was looking for dating advice. I uh, I got a date tonight. I just want to. Oh, we have dating advice. Oh, do we have dating advice? Oh, listen. <laughs> oy vey. <laughs> oy, oy. <laughs> Can we help you? <laughs> At all stages, too. Wow, it's a. Uh... That's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I uh <clears throat> Yes, well, I what was I right now just working on balance, I would say, and trying to be balanced in my life and stand the uh both the the eye and the ego. So Oh, you well, it sounds like uh tran- transitions in many arenas, so holding the space for you, my friend. <laughs> Actually, uh, I mean, now I'm still still with Susan. Uh, the, I've been we've been together now for nine months, which is really nice. Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. But what's 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 really fascinating is both of us going through some kind of transition with a professional life. So she's actually she'll, she'll find out more next week as to where her position stands, and I'm already out shopping around so well hold the space at the right uh oh you know well you know well project i think that that's uh, right in in your path absolutely absolutely what else anything else maybe maybe it's time to teach forgiveness 
I'm always I'm either learning that or teaching it. I don't what what are you talking about? It's it's a constant. It's all the same I'm never thing. out of that <laughs> I'm never out of that classroom there, Dr. Rice. What the hell? <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> Every time I turn around. <laughs> it's an awesome gift, isn't it? Oh, oh, stop it. I mean, if if it wasn't for forgiveness, where would I be? I mean, it's just I hear you. Uh, I yeah. often wonder oh, I how people who yeah. don't have the brain cells to have this conversation. It's like, how do they even survive in this insanity? Well, you know. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, at least my practice was alcohol or or some type of uh, sexual gymnastics or there's a lot of. I mean, it's, it is. I, I agree with you. I just what's what's fascinating is the level of of uh, joy that that really is just. Well, I'm I'm very I'm very pleased to say that uh, I'm looking for you know it's it really is a kind of a ladder. I don't know how I can't get away from some type you know three dimensional issue of a ladder and. Uh, how good I feel about myself and others and always welcoming the next rung on the ladder um, of nice. joy. And it's nice. It's really nice. And unfortunately, I, I think that I probably do too much thinking. <laughs> so, so you found out the answer to the song. Oh, which one? You remember that song, don't you? What's it Probably, all about, yeah. Joseph? Or no, yeah. that was Elfie, wasn't it? It was Elfie, but we can... No, no, I like Joseph better, for sure. How about you know, Joey? What's it. it all about? There you go, Joey. Joey. Yosef, Yosef. Joseph, Giuseppe. Hey, come on. That's pretty awesome to have a human life, isn't it? What a gift. I love it. It is. Amen, brother. Thank you. Thank you. And Gina. how people can find things to whine about, complain about, attack over, traumatize themselves and everybody else, terrorism, mm. mental, yeah. emotional. I mean, the craziness that's on display. It's just like, what are you doing? You have a human life. <laughs> what? Yeah. Hey, what's but, question? Question over here. Uh, uh, hand raised. Uh, what, did you hear a bell earlier? You are you ringing a bell, or was that the no call? bells here? Huh. Well, maybe you had like a new new sponsor or something. <laughs> no, no bells. No bells and whistles. I mean, Come I show on, up Mike. every day for the radio show with bells on, but no bells. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should get some. You know, get a. I don't know, a duck or something. Maybe a rooster. I don't know. Actually, I collect I'm t- bells. I'm just, you do. I do. I've collected bells for years. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that it's quite a collection. Sure. Up oh, there it is. Where's that? Did you hear that one? Oh, that's my phone. I'm sorry. You know what that is? That's my uh, that's my phone telling me something. That's what the I thought it was. Ah, you. there you go. No, not it's me. All, it's all very technical. No, not you. All right, <laughs> All right, my All right well, That's any it. wisdoms to else. offer us? Well, before you go, wisdom. any wisdoms uh, to offer us? 
wow. Any wisdom to offer the uh, – uh, What's the you know, sweetest before, insight you've had in all of the years you've been doing the, your work? What's the what now? Strangest? The sweetest wisdom, the sweetest oh, insight the you've had. Oh, the sweetest. Uh, wow, the sweetest insight. Ooh, I think the sweetest insight is to breathe deeply. Really, before I do, or if, if even though I may, and I guess the other thing too is to that end is there, there's there's enough time. This whole idea I have of that there's not enough time to take three deep breaths, or I'm going to be questioned as to why why are you breathing so deeply? Well, I don't know. I feel like I should do it. You know, I think breathing. I think this certainly from my perspective anyway, and this my experience that yeah the sweetness of breath and and to understand that you are going to do it anyway and it's a gift and so you can enhance a anytime i can enhance a gift i guess is the is the message i would say nice and so yeah the breath is a gift so if i want to enhance something that's already a gift just do it deeply do it slow down and take some deep breaths and then just be the observer. That's of course that's sweet too. Be the just be the observer. You know, it's not mm-hmm. this whole this whole aspect of winning and losing and uh, I'm not enough and you're not enough and together we're not enough at all. So, but of course, as you well know, you know it's not easy being me. Um, you know, it's not easy when you're perfect in every way. So that much magnificence in one place is, is kind of hard to handle. You mean, yeah. I, I hear just, you. you know, it takes one to know one. It takes one to know one. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, my friend. Well, you have you. a blessed one. Yeah. Hey. See you guys. Good to be heard. Good to touch all in. Right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I love it. Who has more fun than we as human beings? It's interesting. I was having a conversation with someone this morning. A neighbor here lived kind of partway down a hill, a little house that Jeannie was raised in. And up at the top of the hill, there's that big house, you know, the big house on the hill. And uh, the neighbor's probably, I don't know, 75 maybe, give or take. And every Sunday morning, he drives out of his garage in his, I'm not even sure what year it was, 20, 2002, 2003 Corvette. And he was telling me this morning that he was a little bit scared because he'd sold his Corvette. He was going out today to buy a new Corvette. He was a little bit scared about it. Well, why? Oh, it's a lot of money. Well, why did you sell that perfectly beautiful 20-year-old one that looked like it was brand new? And I had no idea what Corvettes are going for these days, but uh, he tells me he's going out to write a check for $80,000 for the car, so on Sunday morning, you can drive out of the driveway and drive around the neighborhood and drive it back in and park it in the garage. 
so I just it just you know, amazing to uh to look at the variety of experience of life and what people invest their life force in. And I'm with you, Joe, on the importance of breathing. And Miss Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room? It is all quiet. We have six minutes. Somebody press one. Six minutes. Time for one solid question or thought or sharing. Well, let me throw out a thought on projection, on how people externalize their power, put it out into the world. And I was listening to someone process the other day, not on the show, and they talked about how this event in their life had created all these things. As though an event has any power to create anything. And in looking at that conversation, what what became clear to me is that events are nothing but shadows of created patterns expressing. The events themselves can't create anything. You know, people say, well, you know, that disturbing event happened. No, a disturbing event has never happened in your life. If there's disturbance in you, you know, even the most, what other people would call the most wonderful events, you might call disturbing. But there are no disturbing events. They're just events. And they are reflections of a creative process. They can certainly resonate things that we haven't or don't want to deal with. But the things that are resonating in us are the things that will produce the results because the events of themselves are not creative in any way, shape, or form. And when we react to events, you look at that word react, how did you redo an act that was done on a previous occasion? And as one does one's work and cleans up one's belief that something outside of them is the reason that they're in a particular state, then a new level of conscious creation comes into the realm of possibility. So we're here to open the space to support each and every person that we interact with, realizing that we are each conscious creators. You've heard me say it a hundred times, probably the greatest atrocity done to us as human beings and that we bought into is that we've had hidden from us the fact that we are by nature creators and what shows up is our creation and it's always the opportunity to reflect back into the creative process in ourselves and clean that up. To breathe and be aware of what's going on inside that generates the construct of the mind we call perception 
that if it's based in hostility or fear, it's always based in corrupt data and therefore corrupting the events in our lives, the possibilities of what we can make of those events. So one aspect of this work is to really be there to support people knowing that we are creative beings. There's a poem that very aptly expresses that. And it says, one ship goes east, the other west, on the self-same winds that blow. Tis the set of the sails and not the gales that determines the way she goes. If you listen to most people who want to play victim, it's always the circumstance that's got them. It's always the circumstance. Look what they're doing to me. Poor me. And that's a set of mind that will definitely... Keep on playing in the victim mode. I don't care how many billions of dollars you've got. If the set of the mind is how I'm always somebody's victim, and of course it's a reflection of a power person dynamic. You know, you look at people who play life that way and then look at their parental relationships, look at their power person dynamics. And then you look at the way they victimize others. And yes, it's a chain and it's a projection. And it's time for it to let them go. Michael? Yes, sweetheart. I was looking up that poem and it's Ella yes. Willer, Willer Wilcox. Will- and it's got Wilcox, another verse yes. to it. So oh, go for one it. Ship drives, yeah, one ship drives east, another drives west with the self-same winds that blow. It's the set of the sails and not the gales, which tells us the way we get, way to go. Like the winds of the seas are the ways of fate as we voyage th- along through the life. It's the set of a soul, S-O-U-L, that decides its goal and not the calm or the strife. I had heard that before and forgotten it. There was one of the set of the sales that always stuck in my mind. That's so beautiful, so powerful. If you'd send me that in a text, honey, I'd appreciate it. That's cool. Or an email. Yeah, how about reading the whole thing again from the top, just to close out our time. We're just right down to the last minute. One ship drives east, another drives west, with the self-same winds that blow. It's the set of the sails and not the gales which tells us the way to go. Like the winds of the seas are the ways of fate as we voyage along through life. This is set of a soul that decides its goal and not the calm or the strife. Interesting, the word goal is featured in there that she focused on that. That's powerful. This ties right in with the work. Yay, well, thank you for that, sweetheart. I appreciate how you've always got that research mind going and finding information and putting it all together. So everybody, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It is an awesome gift to give the world, and hopefully your ability to produce that has been enhanced on another level by being part of our community. Have a blessed one. Cherish y'all. Bye-bye.